Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning, Evergreen Online. To those on our Zoom call, good morning, and those joining us on YouTube this morning, uh, we want to welcome you here today. If you're joining us for the first time this year, we are in the season of Lent. These are the weeks that lead up to Easter, where the, tr the church traditionally enters into a posture of reflection, repentance, and lament to draw closer to Christ as we head toward Holy Week. This year, we are exploring the theme of release, which I think is very relevant to where we find ourselves at this point in the year 2021. It's based on one of the central paradoxes of the gospel, that those who want to cling onto their life will lose it, and those, and, um, those who release their life to Christ will find it. We find uh, this concept in Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 16, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. We all find ourselves clinging on, refusing to let go of different things in our lives. And at this point in the pandemic, where so much has been taken away from us, where we have been forced to fast from life in so many ways for a whole year, our knee-jerk response is to hoard, is to grasp, is to try and save as much of our lives as we can before this pandemic or this world takes even more from us. But maybe, maybe the very things that we're trying to hold on to are the very things that God wants us to release to Him. Not everything we're grasping onto is bad. Some of these things are actually good. But I want us to consider this Lent, that when we actually let go of our life, we're finally able to receive the new beginning that God might have for us. And it's about time for a new beginning, isn't it? But the tough part about being open to receive is letting go of whatever you're holding on to. And so each week during the season, we'll be looking at various things we find hard to release. Last week, we talked about releasing control. And this week, we're going to talk about anger. Now, anger is a difficult topic as Christians. We're not really sure what to do with it. The Bible definitely talks about God's anger. But when it comes to Christians, Christ followers, it's sort of confusing sometimes. We're told we're not to sin in our anger, not to let the sun go down on it. Uh, we are told to get rid of all anger and rage. We are told that human anger does not produce God's righteousness in the book of James. Or consider what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount. You have heard it said, or, or you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Or when Jesus says, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. These passages, I'm sure some of you have heard of them before, they seem doable, sure, if you're not actually angry. They're perfectly reasonable commands if you have no enemies. I think even as your pastor, I can stand here and tell you that all you need to do is let go of your anger. Just, just let it go. Except it almost never works that way. 
we often have a relationship with our anger. You see, I think anger, it reveals pain. And so when we look at the world, it's not so much that there are all these angry people in the world. Maybe a better way to describe it is that there are a lot of hurting people that feel angry. Which I think is why when Jesus is teaching the Sermon on the Mount, he doesn't just dwell on anger itself, he moves toward talking about the offense and the offender. In Matthew uh, chapter 5, Jesus talks about the Old, Test the Old Testament concept of retributive justice, where the punishment has to fit the crime. And here's what Jesus says. You have, heard it, you have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. This passage is based upon some texts in the Old Testament that talk about what to do when an offense is committed. If there's a fight and somebody's eye is injured, in a sense, the attacker is supposed to compensate with their own eye. And if you knock someone's tooth out, it sort of says to get appropriate justice, you have to compensate with a tooth of your own. Now, if that sounds very barbaric, it, it's because it is. And Jewish sages seem to agree that this actually didn't happen as, as, uh, I, as uh, clear as it seems. Um, they agree that this isn't really how things were. One scholar notes that if it were like this, there'd just be a whole lot of toothless uh, Jewish people walking around. That's not really what happened. The idea, though, was that there would be adequate compensation for whatever offense there was. And this law prevented things from getting out of hand. So people couldn't be asked to be compensated for more than what was deserved. Now, most of us like this idea of retributive justice, of ret retribution, because it recognizes value in everything that we have. And it recognizes the loss we feel when something is taken from us. We want to be paid for that. Even if it's if it doesn't compensate us fully, we, we want that sense that we're getting paid back. And when there is an offense against us, whatever that may be, we want the other person, the offender, to pay. But then Jesus comes along and says, you know, I know the old way of thinking was this law of retribution, but here's a new way. And he describes these three scenarios. The first, a slap on the right cheek. The second, a lawsuit. And the third, in a sense, forced labor. Now, each of these scenarios contains both an offense and actually an insult as well. First of all, a slap on the right, on the right cheek. This was probably a backhand slap, which was an insult at the time. That's an insult now, too. But it was saying that you, the other person was inferior. Sadly, this was done to slaves, women, and children. See, you only hit someone like this if they were of much lower social standing than you. The second scenario he describes is a lawsuit. Now, this lawsuit also sounds like there's another power dynamic in play. 
I mean, you wouldn't be sued for a shirt if you had money. So the lawsuit isn't just looking for retribution. This lawsuit is actually seeking humiliation as well. And the third scenario is walking a mile. Now this example refers to a Roman law where soldiers had the right to force people to carry their equipment for one mile. It's forced labor of everybody who's under Roman rules, Roman rule that these soldiers could enact upon the people. Now what's fascinating about all three of these scenarios is that they're actually not that trivial. This is not just what to do when somebody cuts you off at the freeway. Jesus is dealing with real oppression here. Someone who's humiliating you through social power. Someone who's humiliating you through financial power. Someone who's exploiting you through legal or government power, abuse of government power. This is real cause for anger and resentment. These are people who are actually being evil to you. And I want to point that out because this is not just Jesus' advice for when we wake up on the wrong side of the bed and we're a little cranky. This is God's word for when we encounter real enemies. Which is interesting because in the very next section, Jesus says this. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore as your heavenly Father is perfect. So what's Jesus talking about? Love your enemies? Pray for those who persecute you? In a sense, connected to the passage before, be gracious to the people that think of you as inferior? Be generous to the people who exploit you? These are the people that we want to be angry toward. Not because anybody loves being upset, but because we feel like they don't deserve any affection from us. So how do you let go of anger when it's against people who are actually treating you so poorly? Since the start of the pandemic, we've heard of and perhaps some of us unfortunately experienced uh, a rise in violence and hateful rhetoric against Asian Americans, as we talked about before. Like you, I've read stories about crimes toward Asian Americans in surprising places like Torrance in San Francisco, places where you think the Asian American community was too big and too strong for these kinds of things to happen. Some of the incidents I've been thinking about recently, um, one of them is the vandalism of the Higashi Honganji Temple in Little Tokyo where one of the giant stone lanterns in their courtyard was knocked over and the glass doors of the temple shattered. Now, we're not Buddhist, but this temple is one of the cultural centers for the Japanese Americans in Southern California, but no matter what your personal faith is. Many of us have been there before for funerals or obon festivals. This place represents culture and community. 
the vandalism here, much like the vandalism against the cherry blossom trees in Japantown in San Francisco, it's big because it's symbolic. Kind of like the attack on the Capitol building was, was symbolic for this nation. That's what makes it, I don't know, bigger than just uh, an act of crime against a building. The other thing I've been reflecting on is the violence against Asian elders, which again, we mentioned this morning. Throughout the Asian American community, I think this really struck a nerve. I forget where I read this, but one comment really resonated as it described why violence against the elders in our community is so hurtful. It's because for Asian cultures, elders represent the best of us. They're the most respected people in our communities. And I would add, I really see our elders as the carriers of our culture. They are the link to our past and our heritage. They're the treasure of our communities, just like our prime timers are Evergreen's treasure. And because of that, an attack on them is both personal and communal. It feels like an attack on our culture as well as our family. But you see, these are, these are the type of real life offenses that Jesus was talking about. Hateful actions treating us as inferior. And Jesus says, you might be thinking, I'm so mad that I want an eye for an eye. I want the other person's tooth. And I can understand that because what happened was not right. It was wrong. But Jesus says that's still, that's still the old way. And instead I'm asking you to love your enemies. Pray for them. Treat them as your heavenly Father treats them, who causes the sun to rise on both the evil and the good. Paul talks about it this way in Colossians chapter 3, where he says, But now you must also rid yourselves, rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not, do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. He tells the Colossian church, rid yourself, let go of anger and rage because that is your old self and your new self is being renewed in the image of God. And Paul says exactly what our sermon series is focusing on. Release your anger so that you might receive a new beginning in Jesus. Perhaps this is what God is asking you to surrender this season, even though it's hard. Maybe you're, hold on to, you're holding on to some sort of resentment or rage that's just eating away at you. Maybe at first you felt like it was scratching an itch of yours because of the way this resentment made you feel. But now maybe it's holding you back, weighing you down, keeping you from forgiveness and growth. God's calling you to loosen your grip, 
on whatever is making you angry. And maybe the invitation is to surrender your anger into the hands of Christ. Because it's really Jesus that can deal with this, not us. And then there's another call that I think some of us may have. Maybe anger is actually hard to relate to because it's something that's difficult for you to feel. That's okay. I get that. Sometimes it's hard to admit our anger, to admit our resentment. It's a scary emotion to feel. But maybe God's call for you is to release your anger. Like, not just to let it go, but to unleash it, to feel it, to acknowledge it that kind of release. Maybe for some of us, the thing that's holding us back is holding our anger in. Sometimes we're a little too good at holding it in. And God's saying to you this morning, let it out and let me have it. Some of us need to let go of feeling angry. And some of us need to let go in order to feel angry. Some of us have an anger that has become unrighteous. We've held onto it for so long that it's now sinful to keep our grip on it. And some of us have an anger that is, that is righteous, birthed from a place of injustice and being sinned against. But in both of these scenarios, we end up at the same place, the cross of Christ. This is all of our destination for Lent. Because on the cross, our unrighteous anger is crucified and our righteous anger is satisfied. It's the one place for both our sins and the sins done to us. And when we surrender our anger and resentment to Jesus, this is where he takes them. And so as we prepare our hearts to come before the communion table this morning, I invite you to consider God's difficult but sacred call to release.